Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sabbath Services here on this beautiful, beautiful Sabbath day, at least it's very beautiful here in our part of the world. A little bit of a respite uh, before uh, winter comes. We're certainly very blessed to be together on this Sabbath day. Uh, certainly welcome everyone from our congregations, Burlington and those uh, in, in Ottawa. Our Ottawa group is able to meet together in a small bit, but we know that there are some that aren't uh, meeting yet. We welcome our local congregants. We welcome all of our regular folks who, who join us every Sabbath. And of course, if you're new, uh, we welcome you as well. Certainly looking forward to worshiping and hearing the word of God be expounded to us uh, once again today on this Sabbath day. Today is the 12th day of the ninth month in God's calendar, which means we're 118 days until we come to Passover. And we'll get started here as we normally do with an opening prayer. We certainly welcome back our pastor from his uh, trip overseas, uh, arrived safely this week. We're very grateful. Him and his wife, Sister Jennifer, are, are safely home. And we welcome our pastor, Adrian Davis, who can open us with prayer. Thank you so much, brother, and uh, greetings, brethren. We'll open with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we uh, pause now before uh, beginning our service, as we always do, to acknowledge you. And, Father, we're asking that you will uh, especially bless us uh, this and the following Sabbaths as we are facing increasingly uh, dangerous times, increasingly uncertain times. But what we do have, Father, is the certainty of your word. And we just thank you for inspiring our brother Jan today as he will expound your word to us. We thank you for the inspiration that you've given to him so far. We pray that you'll inspire him even as he speaks, Father, and that you'll inspire us, that we will inwardly digest uh, the word that you've prepared for us today, and that it would strengthen us uh, along with the previous messages we've had and the messages that we will have, that we'll truly uh, digest these messages, Father, and be strengthened in the inner man uh, to always have hope in you and in the return of Christ. And, and to withstand whatever uh, may come our way. We thank you, Father, and we ask these uh, blessings, these glorious blessings now, in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that prayer. We will now move to our first hymn today on this Sabbath day. Uh, if you'd like, if you have your hymn books, you can turn to page 221. But as is the, uh, the norm, the words will be printed on the screen. We'll sing from page 221, Praise You the Lord, the Almighty.
Ephesians 1, 3-12 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded us, abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, times he might he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dylan, and my apologies to those who thought this was a throwback to the 1920s and it was a silent movie. My uh, mute button was unfortunately on for some reason. But uh, thank you, Brother Dylan, for reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. We'll now go into just a couple of announcements. Um, we, uh, here in Canada, we have an annual general meeting of our members, uh, and that annual general meeting is tomorrow evening, Sunday, the 29th of November at 8.30 p.m., All members uh, are welcome to attend by phone. Uh, The number is posted on the general Slack channel, or you can contact your local board member for the call number if you wish to uh, participate and listen in on the annual general meeting of our corporation, CGI Canada, a requirement uh, that we have to hold these general meetings on an annual basis. Um, The second and final announcement, of course, is our uh, weekly Wednesday Bible study at 7.30 p.m. here on the very platforms you're watching here now. Uh, we've come to the end of the uh, the pastoral epistles. Uh, we've covered uh, four of the all four pastoral epistles over the course of uh, the the well the three of them over the course of the last couple of months. And of course, we started way way back a number of years back with uh, Philippians. So this coming Wednesday evening at 7:30, we'll be having a recap session of the pastoral epistles and also give you an opportunity for a live uh, Q and A session. And again, you can do that on the, the church app. You can do it on the Facebook and you can do it on um, YouTube. So to please join us at 730 for that. Before we get to the main message of the day, which will be our by our brother and deacon Jan Kowalczyk, we will sing one more hymn that will be on page 197. We'll be singing all, all things are, are thine. All things are thine. No gift have we. And then immediately following that hymn, we'll go to our brother. Uh, who will be speaking to us, and the title of his message will be The Mystery of God's Will, The Mystery of God's Will. But first, all things are thine, no gift have we.
Well, hello everybody. Good Sabbath to all of you. Blessed Sabbath to all of you and nice to see you again. Thank you for being so faithful and joining us week after week. And just before I go to my message, I just want to extend my my greetings to our American brothers and sisters who celebrated Thanksgiving this weekend and I hope that your celebration of service on such an important day will be very blessed to all of you. And thank you to all of you, no matter where you are from. Thank you one more time for joining us. Now, the mystery of God's will. Before I go to my message, to the heart of my message, I'll have to give you some introduction, you know, where I'm coming from. And from the beginning, I'll have to tell you that if you missed the Bible study about the letter of Ephesians by Pastor Agent Davis, if you missed it, I was strongly recommend that you revisit it again because most of my study will actually come from this letter today. From other sources too, but mostly all my message was inspired by the Ephesians. So speaking about the introduction and the mystery, is the Apostle Paul in such a wonderful language explained this mystery of God's will to us. And this mystery that was fully, fully let me highlight this word, was fully revealed to him and through him to all of us, it's still remaining such a mystery to this day. And for some reasons, we as a Christians in general, we can figure it out. But let's talk about Apostle Paul first as an introduction here. Apostle Paul of all the authors, and especially that we so-call this New Testament, right? I personally, I don't like this division, dividing your Bible into the Old Testament and New Testament. Let's just call it a Bible. So all the writers that contributed to this book that we call Bible, Apostle Paul is probably one of the greatest contributors to the writing of part of the letters, part of the, what we call the New Testament. If you open your Bible today, let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just quickly here, just, you know, just talk about the Apostle Paul here quickly for the next five to seven minutes. Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just breaking here into the, the context right away, starts from verse 7 here. He's writing here to the Corinthians church, he's writing, and after he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, that's after resurrection and Christ was resurrected, was seen by all. In verse 1, Apostle Paul's writing, Then last of all, he was seen by me also. And he writes here, As by one born out of due time. Verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle. And he gives the reason why he thinks he's not worthy. Because I persecuted the church of God. And but in the end, he realized, when Christ called him, verse 10, But by grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. And he's saying, why this grace was not in vain? Because he said, I labor, I personally, Paul, I labor more abundantly than they all. And yet not I, but the grace of God, which, which was with me. And just think about it for a moment. All these misconceptions that we get in general, okay, 
from his writing, Apostle Paul's writing, all these misconceptions that we get, all this different theology that we get from his writings, you know, and especially this radical grace that I call it. You don't need to do anything. It's all about God's, God's grace. It's a gift and you can't do anything. Absolutely, you can't do anything because once you do, you're going to violate this grace. Here Paul is saying that through this grace of all the people, he worked more than anybody else for God's cause, right? But in the end, he says in verse 11, he says this. Therefore, he says, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. In the end, it doesn't matter. And I hope as you join us, you will get the same feeling when you see our broadcast coming from Burlington. No matter who speaks, in the end, what is more important is to preach God's message to the people. It's not about the personalities, it's about the message. So this, is, so this was Apostle Paul. What a great personality he was. Now, as I said, he was the greatest contributor to our Bibles, the way how we know it. And as I also mentioned, he was the most misunderstood writer of all the contributors in the Bible. Let's go to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. And right here at the end of his letter, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 14. Peter, another apostle, he writes this. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent. Be diligent to be found in, to be found by him in peace. Be diligent. Okay? Of all these things that's happening, that happened back then, that's happening right now, that'll happen in the future. Peter, he says in the writing, in the conclusion, I want you to be fine by Christ when he comes. In peace. Don't panic. Don't panic. Social justice, elections, and everything will go away. You, you be in peace. Because your knowledge, your assurance is based on something else than political system or, or racial justice. Okay? And he says, peace without spot and blameless. And you will, will hear this. Apostle Paul is writing exactly the same thing. Okay? There's no confusion. They're all, only single, every single one of them is on the same page. Verse 15. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord's salvation is also, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. The same message, no exceptions. Verse 16. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scripture. But you, therefore, we should know better than that, right? But you, therefore, beloved, since you know this, this is a warning from Peter, since we know this, Beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, with the lawlessness. But in, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So, back then, 2,000 years ago, already there were some brethren who were twisting Paul's writing to their own damnations. That's what Peter is writing. To their own damnations. Back then, 2,000 years ago. Over all the periods of time today, we have a myriad of people 
okay, who are actually doing the same thing, okay, writing their own damnations. And here Peter also tries us to motivate us at the end of his letter. He's trying to tell us that we need first, we need to grow in this grace that was given to us. And as we grow in this grace, we also need to grow in the knowledge. And in order to do all of these things, we need to study the scripture. Without studying the scriptures, without teacher, we wouldn't have this knowledge. We wouldn't know what is the deception, what is not the deception. We wouldn't know what's the right thing to do, what's not the right thing to do. That's why we have so much confusion. And especially when it comes to the writings of, of Paul. So who was Paul? Let's go to Philippians. This is not a study of Paul, just a quick introduction. We want to talk about the will, God's will. According to Paul, we need to understand this man. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And verse 4. And again, just breaking into the context, we just speak some sentences and some words. Verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 4. Philippians. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh... Okay, if anyone else think he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And why? Here is the context. He's saying, verse five, circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning a law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is from the law. He says, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these that have counted, lost for Christ. So before we try to interpret his letters, we need to understand his background. Okay? We need to understand his background. And now let's go to Acts chapter 22. Another piece of information. The book of Acts chapter 22. The book of Acts here, chapter 22. And verse 1 through 4 first. 22, chapter 22, verse 1. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they hear that, that was his last trip to Jerusalem. He was arrested and actually he was shipped to Rome. Verse 2. When they hear that, he spoke to them in Hebrew language. They kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew. Born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous towards God, as you, as you are all here today. I persecuted this way. Doesn't say I persecuted Christianity. As he said, I persecuted this way, this particular way, I persecuted to the death. Biding and delivering into prisons both men and women. So he's talking about his zeal when he was a Pharisee observant of the Judaism. That was his zeal. That's what he was doing. He was doing that he was doing something right for his religion. He was persecuting the way. And eventually Christ showed up on his way to Damascus that really came up to him. And now skip down to verse 25. 25. And as they bound Paul here, with tongues, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? 
Verse 26, when the centurion heard that, he went and told them, and, and told the commander saying, take care, be careful, what have we done here, okay? For this man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, yes. The commander answered, with a large sum I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, but I was born, but I was born a citizen. Then immediately, those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman. And because he had found, and because he had, he, he had found, bound him. So for all this text, we need to pick some few things that will help us to understand the background where Paul is coming from, right? He was, let me use this word where he's so popular in these days, you know, and especially all over the place on the news. Rome, Paul in Rome was very privileged. Okay, let me use this word privilege. He was born a Roman citizen. That was an extra, extraordinary privilege to be a Roman citizen at that time. First thing, the ability to travel. He could go all over the Roman Empire. No one could stop him. No one could do anything to him because he was a Roman citizen. He was way above everybody else in this Roman Empire, including all the Jews. He was a legal citizen of the Roman Empire. Even here, the centurion who bought his citizen for a tons of money, he was afraid of Paul. Because whatever they conduct the business here, that was illegal, according to the Romans' law. So Paul was very privileged, very privileged man. And now, as we read at the beginning of this chapter, he was very highly educated. He was a Pharisee. And he was a Pharisee, and he was a rabbi, he was a teacher, and he was, and he was educated, one of the best in his field. This man that we mentioned here is a well-known scholar, well-known Hebrew scholar at the time. It's just like comparing today, you know, I hate to do this thing, but you know, like Harvard and all the institutions, they are not the same as they used to be. But he had all the best education they can ever get, possible, you know. He got his at the University of Jerusalem at the time, under the best professor that you can ever find. That's how his education was. Fully emerged into his religion. Probably memorizing, knowing at least the book of Deuteronomy, inside out, quoting from his memory, and many, many more scriptures. Okay, that was the Apostle Paul. Very religious. And just from these few verses, you could say that that was such a, that was not bad for a resume, right, of this man. Not bad for such a man. Now, how well do you understand Paul's writing? How well do we understand his writing? Okay, he was a very educated man. He was trained by the best of his field. And he wrote some, the most wonderful letters, the most great theology in Christianity came from his writing. How do you understand his writing? Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. At the end of the letters, here at the end of the letter to Romans in chapter 16, in verse 25 and 27, this is what he writes, right at the end of the letter. Now to him who is, now to him who is able, verse 25, to establish you according to my gospel, he says, according to my gospel, Paul's gospel, 
But look what he says. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. So he says, this is my gospel, but it's according to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Okay. It's nothing that I'm trying to teach you something contrary what Jesus Christ was preaching. There is no contradiction. Okay. According to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of what? Of mystery kept secret since the word began. Verse 26. But now when manifest, Okay, manifest by the prophetic scripture made known to all nations according to the commandments of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. So Paul said, this is my gospel, but this gospel is according to the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the law of God and the Torah and everything else combined. But there is something that comes to revelation. And this revelation came through Jesus Christ. And this mystery that was revealed, no one ever knew it before this time. No one ever knew this thing. You couldn't get it from the text. You can get it from anyone, from any smart people, philosophers, nobody else. It was, what was a mystery that was hidden for a specific age, for a specific time, and was revealed through the Apostle Paul. What is the big mystery? What is the great mystery? What is he talking about, Paul? Now, to find out what the mystery is, we have to go to the Ephesians. Go to the, to go to the letter of Ephesians. And again, if you missed the study about this book during the feast, it's still there in the archives. It's still on the CJ app or the CJORG. You can still go there and visit and study it, you know, line by line by your own time. Ephesians chapter 1. So, but rather than not spend a lot of time reading this part of the scripture, we're just going to pick some verses here. Chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he says here, okay? Who has blessed us, all of us, believers, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And Please go to the Bible studies. I don't have time to explain all these nuances here, but you know this place is in Italic. Actually, it's not supposed to be here. But Pastor Agent explained well what's supposed to be the proper translation. So please just go and, and study this thing. It's very important. If you want to understand, fully understand the mystery, what the mystery is all about, you have to go and study by yourself. Skip to verse 9. Okay? Having made known to us the mystery, again, having made known to us the mystery of his will, According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, okay, verse 10, that in the dispensations of the fullness of time, the dispensations of the fullness of time means at the right time, at the proper moment, everything will come to its conclusion. So one day, finally, all of these things will be fulfilled. What? What's the mystery that will be fulfilled? He might gather together, oh, there we go, he might gather together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Think about it for a moment. I call it a, I call it a, a virtual unification. We go from top to the bottom. And Jesus Christ, when he was walking on, the, on this earth, when his disciples 
ask him how they should how they supposed to pray. Christ gave them an outline of the prayer. And one of it, it says, you know, we need to pray that the will that is in heaven will be accomplished here on earth. And Paul is saying, this mystery, unifications, whatever is spiritual up there, and all those things that is physical on this earth, one day, at the dispensation of time, at the right time, will be unified in Christ, it will come together. That's one aspect. That's one aspect of this mystery, okay? Let's call it a vertical unification. Now, before this vertical unification happens, there's something else needs to be happened to fulfill this mystery, right? And Paul is, he's explained it so well. And I just couldn't understand for so many years. But it just suddenly just, just landed on my mind. And just like, how could I miss this thing for so many years, being in church for so many years? And for 2,000 years, you know, this explanation to this mystery is out there in his writings. And yet, so many Christians are confused about this mystery. This mystery was revealed. Not was just revealed, it was explained in details to all of us. And it's still a mystery to so many believers that call themselves Christians. Okay? So what else needs to happen? Okay? Why is this so important? Ephesians chapter 3. And look at verse 1. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read five verses. One through five. For this reason, he's saying, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentile. And I'll show you a little bit later. We'll come to the book of Acts chapter 22 one more time. But he's in jail now. And he's in jail for preaching the gospel to the Gentile. We just object when Jews objected so much for doing this thing. Okay? But he's in, he's in jail. For preaching to the Gentile. If indeed you have heard the dispensations of the grace of God, which was given to, given for you, to me for you, how that by revelation he may know to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. We read this part, right? He is continuing here. As I have briefly written already, by which when you read, okay, when you read, you may understand. My knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Wow, that's a powerful stuff here, right? Verse 5. Which in other ages, all the time before it, in the other ages, was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. To whom it was revealed? Just to Paul, no. To his holy apostles and prophets. Every single one was very well educated in this mystery so they could go out and preach it to the people. What's the results of it, of this? 2,000 years later, I think many of us have still no idea what the mystery is all about and how is God going to accomplish this mystery that he promised. Okay, and specifically Paul. Paul so beautifully explaining this in his letters. Especially, especially here in his prison epistles. Now, Skip down to verse 17. Verse 17 here. That Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love being rooted and grounded in love 
This is how deep this thing is. Okay? If you don't understand this thing, you might not have a deep roots. They're going to carry you through some difficult times. Okay? That's how powerful this mystery is. May be able to comprehend with how many saints? All the saints, what is the width and length and depth and height, okay? To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, that you might be filled, all the saints, I'm writing this thing to make known to you, that you have known it, what is the width, what's the length, what's the height, what's the depth of all of this thing. As you understand this thing, I hope that you will be rooted in love and in knowledge, and you move on. How well are we doing? How well are we doing? Just go back here to verse 5. Go to this mystery. The same chapter, chapter 3, verse 5. And again, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has, as, as it has now been revealed by the spirit of his holy apostles and prophets. Verse 6. That the Gentiles, what? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, through the good news. Wow, that's the second part of the mystery. And they say, Jen, what's the big mystery? We all know that. Okay? Just hold on. Verse 7, which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. You know, we might say, oh, this is not a great mystery. You know, we know this thing. Gentile apart, no? You know, God's all over the world. You know, that, that he died for all of us. God loves the world. So, you know, whoever accepts Christ, is that really that easy? If it's really that easy, why is this called a mystery? Why is it called a mystery? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 now. Ephesians chapter 2. What this mystery is all about, okay? Verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. Therefore, remember, it's Paul writing to Ephesians, remember that you, once a Gentile, in the flesh, who are called are circumcision, that's what the Jews would call everybody who doesn't believe. Everybody who is outside the nation of Israel or Judah, they will call her circumcised. That was a not, not, not nice description of a person. Okay? Called uncircumcision, but what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. We're talking about the literature of circumcision. Cutting the foreskin, okay? That at the time, verse 12, you were without Christ, being aliens. You are circumcised. You Gentile. You are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers from the covenants, plural, not just one, covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, if who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Wow. Maybe to you, 
might not be such a great mystery, might not be such a, you know, great big news. But if you were an Apostle Paul, if you were a rabbi, you were a Hebrew, you were dedicated in Torah, that would be a big news. That would be a huge news. Okay? Let's continue here. So one hand, as I mentioned it, we have vertical unifications. Now what Paul is talking in other part of the mystery is horizontal unification. Uncircumcised and circumcised coming together in one. Skip up to verse 19 here. Now therefore, the same chapter 2 verse 19. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundations of the apostle and prophet, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Can you imagine that? Uncircumcised and circumcised being at one with God through Jesus Christ. How? That's, this is impossible. At least it was impossible back then. You know? And I'm saying, I ask you, you know, we think this isn't easy. This is not a big mystery. Okay? You know, we say, oh, this is not a big mystery. It is a big mystery. And the reason why it's such a big mystery till this day because we don't fully grasp and understand Paul's teaching, what he was saying here. Okay? What I mean by that? Most Christianity, most Christianity think today, okay, that we as a Christian, we are a separate entity. Instead of being one in this group, circumcised and uncircumcised, no, we separate ourselves from the circumcised. We call it a Gentile Christianity. This is how well we understand the mystery that Paul was speaking. You know, a year and a half ago or something like that, you know, I give a, I give a sermons here in Burlington, a local congregation is about the, and it was about the proper understanding the relation, how to understand the proper relation between Israel and the church. And let me, let me tell you why people don't get it, the width and the length and the depth, whatever he's trying to communicate here. Okay, have you heard of something like replacement theology or the separation theology? Have you heard about the concept like that? Most Christianity, majority of Christianity today, you know, believe in a replacement theology. Okay, how does this fly with Paul's teaching? Okay, whatever we're just reading here in just one letter here, how would that fly with his teaching? So I'm not going to go through the detail, just quick recap. If you never heard of this, you can do your own research. You can go to the archives and see the messages. It's, it's up to you. It's not, it's not difficult to find it. What is the replacement theology? It's very simple. It's very easy. It's a replacement. Basically, what it says, the church replaced Israel. Church replaced Israel, and Israel has no, no redemptive future. Okay? That's what they believe. Majority of Christians, that's what they believe today, that the church replaced Israel. And Israel is gone forever. God is no longer concerned about the nation of Israel anymore. It's done deal. We are a church. That said, we replace them. All the covenants and the promises that were given to Israel, they were transferred to the church. And now as the results of all these transfers, the Jews must now convert to Christianity in order to be saved. So basically, if I'm a Jewish man now, if I, would, if I grew up in, let's say, a Jewish neighborhood, it would attend as a, as a boy a synagogue, 
And if I was rooted in the Torah, now I have to convert to pagan Christianity when I have to eat pork and celebrate Christmas and decorate my Christmas trees and eat ham and all the other stuff. This is nonsense. Where is the teaching coming from? It's not from your own Bible. It never came from the Bible. It's still a mystery to millions, to billions of people around the world. People can see it. People can explain it. Now, let me talk about here, about the separationist theology. So it comes started from the Reformation, okay? And most churches, most churches, not most churches, but there is a big chunk, especially evangelical Christians in the United States, that's what they believe, separation theology. So they will teach that God has a, God has a future for Israel, okay? Israel is not doomed forever. God has a future for Israel. But God is only obligated to perform the physical blessing for Israel. But as a church, we are separate. So there are prophecy and scriptures for the Israel. There are prophecy and scriptures from the church. We never cross each other's way. What God promised, he will promise. He will deliver his present physically. He wanted the land, he will give them a land. 1947, this is the promise. They received the land. That's it, period, done deal. And the same way. If you want to be spiritual, blessing Christ, you need to convert to us. And I would say, sola scriptura, this radical grace. You can't do anything, you know, because you will offend God. By grace alone. From the same teaching that actually Paul is teaching in Ephesians. By grace alone, that's what they will tell you. So basically they say the covenant and promise for Israel are, are, you know, here are not transferred to the church, but the church is a new spiritual entity with a distant purpose and a different, dest- and a different destiny. So, again, how would this teaching fly here, whatever Paul was trying to teach us? You know, whatever you're watching us, you know, go to your pastor and ask him what he believes. What he believes, whether he believes in the replacement theology, whether he believes in a, in a separation theology. You'll be surprised. You will be surprised. Go and ask. Now, let's, let's just, whatever we cover here, let's ask these questions, okay? How many Jews have been converted over the last 2,000 years to Christianity, to this pagan Christianity? How many? Yeah, there was some conversion. Most people convert them just for the uh, convenience. They're heavy persecuted, now they become a Catholic or other, and say, like, why not? Okay? But how many? Not many. So, if Paul is saying that this mystery is at work, that what is God is trying to accomplish, bring us together, the uncircumcised, circumcised into a one, how well are we doing? How well are we doing? We still don't get the message what Paul is trying to write us. We think that Christianity is something totally else, you know, a strange entity that Christ founded. We're so much separated from the Israel or whatever you might think. You know, we just go our own way. Or Paul was the invention of the new religion that we call Christianity. Nonsense. Okay. Now, let's switch the other way around. I was talking how the Christian, how the Christians view the Jews now, right? Let's talk about how the, how Jews view Christianity. Okay, let's switch this thing. How Jews be the Christianity? And I mentioned it. There was a conflict. There is always a conflict. And Jews, the Israelites, always hated the Gentile. And there was a reason for that. But they always hated the Gentile. 
They could never ever imagine that one day would be possible for a Gentile uncircumcised and circumcised Jews and Israelites just come together in unity. There was a hard concept to swallow. I promise you I'll go back to the book of Acts chapter 22. Let's go there again. The book of Acts chapter 22. Book of Acts chapter 22. Just break into the context here. Paul is preaching. Remember when Paul said when he started speaking in Hebrew? As we read it here at the beginning in these verses here. Everybody was quiet. All the mob was quiet. They wanted to kill him. But what he was explaining in Hebrew, everybody was quiet and listened to his explanation. Skip down to verse 16. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. So, if you want to read this chapter, you know just to have a full story what it means. But you'll, you'll pick it up later. And he says, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Okay? Now it happened. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly. For they will not receive your testimony concerning me, concerning Jesus Christ. They will not accept me. Okay, get out of there. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your Meritrude Stephan was shed. I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Holy Saints, how can I go there? You know, I have a bloody hand. I am guilty of horrible crimes. Okay? How can I do this thing? My Christ says, no, I want you to go. And then he said, and verse 21, pay attention here. This is very important. This is what Christ says to Paul. He says, Then he said to him, depart, for I will send you far from here, where? To the Gentiles. A Jewish rabbi, okay, who was persecuting the way at the beginning, Christ is saying, I want you to go and I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to preach this unification that's going to come through this preaching to all people on this planet. It's amazing. To the Israel first and also to the Gentiles. You, a Jewish rabbi, a Pharisee from the strictest sect in Judaism ever, I want you to go. And Paul was obedient and he went. But when Christ said these words, okay, look, I will send you to the Gentiles in verse 21. They were all patiently listening to him, okay? They were all patiently listening to his explanation. Now watch this, verse 22. Pay attention. Verse 22. And they listened to him. Until this word. What word? What word? Gentile. When they heard the Gentile, what happened? Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from earth, for he is not fit to live. Wow. Talking of the mob, it's just like today. You go through some of the protesters here, you know, and some people are so sensitive. You mention a social justice, and the sudden the emotions just, just, just start, you know, going all over the place, you know. Can't control themselves. Just were the same way. Who can speak to them and explain everything to them. How Christ converted him. And all these things that happened. Once he mentioned that this Messiah that they need accepted. That they need to accept too. Wants to send him to the Gentile. That's it. They were done. He's not worthy to live. Why? How can he, you know, bring salvation or whatever. Something good to a Gentile. 
That was the Jewish view of Christianity. Let's just give me do one more. The book of Acts chapter 10. That was Paul and the other Jews. Now let's, about Peter. Peter was in the same shoes. Okay, before. The same shoes. Book of Acts chapter 10 verse 28. 28. Just one verse here. You will see that. You will pick it up from the context here. Book of Acts chapter 10 verse 28. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one another nation. Oh, wait a minute. How unlawful is that? What are you going to find? What are you going to find such a law in the Torah? Show me. Where does it say in book of Deuteronomy or in book of Numbers? Where does it say that, you know, you being a Israelite, you know, you are not allowed to, let's say, go to a Gentile and shake his hand or eat with him? Where does it say? No. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So he's understanding here, I was clean, this person wasn't clean. But now God is sending Holy Spirit on the Gentile. And how you, circumcised, can call somebody with the Holy Spirit uncircumcised. They have a big issues to overcome too. They were racist to the core. They hated the Gentile. So they had to overcome a lot. And you know what? Most Christianity is not better. We have hatreds for the Jews. Same way. How is this mystery revealed? How are we doing? Knowing this mystery. Practicing this mystery. Able to teach it to others. You know, so that people will know what the mystery is all about. How good are we doing? Is that say how we should understand this mystery? that was passed down to us by Apostle Paul? I don't think so. So again, as you study his writing. You need to keep in mind that first, he was a Pharisee, he was a rabbi, he was obedient to the Torah, okay? He was obedient to the Torah, Torah. and secondly, he was trained. He was trained by revelations, direct revelations from Jesus Christ. The Word of God. Jesus Christ was called the Word of God. He was directly trained through revelations by Jesus Christ. Paul would never ever preach different gospel to the Jewish Christian and preach the different gospel to the Gentile Christian. He would never ever have a different set of rules and laws for the Jewish Christians and a different set of rules and laws to the Gentile Christian. Never ever is such a concept in your Bible, not in his writings, no anywhere else. Pervert mind, uneducated, twist his words to promote different reality, different religion, and different Christianity. Not Paul. And now, so as a matter of fact, no one else. There's no such a thing as different set of rules for Gentile, different set of rules for the Jews. So, in this in mind, okay, in this in mind, this mystery is God is trying to fulfill as he's working out this wonderful plan of salvation, okay? Let's go back to Romans now. Let's go back to Romans. Some of the scriptures, you read it a few weeks ago, but just quickly, just, just, just a few of them. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. 
So here, out of the context again, but you will see it, what I mean by that. Paul is asking a question here. Verse 9, Romans chapter 3, verse 9. He says, what then? Okay, what then? And there is a question. Are we circumcised? Are we Jews? Are we better than they? Are we really better than they? And look at what he says. Not at all. Why? For we have previously, and look at this, he doesn't say I, he says for we, we, everyone who is preaching this gospel, he says, we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks or the Gentiles that they that they are all under the sin. You see what I mean? For we, not just me, all of us, we charge that both Jews and Gentiles are all under the penalty of sin. You're all dead. You all broke the law. And there's no way you can come out of this thing. There is no way you can come out of this thing unless somebody's offered you a grave, unless God's offered you amazing grace, and God did offer it. And there is only one way to this grace, to have faith in Jesus Christ. This is the only way. There's no any other way. And just skip down to verse 20 now. Again, therefore, verse 20. Therefore, by the strictest deeds of the law, by the strictest of observance, whether it be Sadducees or Pharisees, or whatever we want to call it, by the strictest observance to the Torah, no flesh will be justified in his sight. There is no provision in the Mosaic Covenant, there is no provision there that, you know, they offer a justification for the sin that you commit intentionally. There's no such thing. Every single, if you don't believe, you die by the same sin that you who believe, who are circumcised. But what is there? He says, what is there? For by the law is the knowledge of sin. What is in the Torah? It's very clear. You can understand what the sin is, what are the definitions of sins, and how they will affect your life. How breaking of the law will kill you. And once you break it and kill you, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do personally. You can't build up your way out of this. Says, yeah, you know, I commit a crime and now I'm slowly trying to rebuild my life. You know, and climb back and eventually you stand in front of God and say, Father, I deserve eternal life. Look at my works, what I've done here. I changed. Now, only through Christ and His grace, you can be forgiven your past sins. And future too. Okay? Verse 27. Skip down to verse 27. As all of, as the results of all this thing, of his thinking, now he, again, he's asking a questions again. Okay? If you understand this concept, this grace concept that God is offered through, through faith to Jesus Christ, this is the next question. So what is boasting then? Okay? Because, you know, you Jews, you're boast. Look at this. You are the covenant people, you know. Look at your DNA, you know. I have my forefathers, you know. I'm a special, you know. God gave me the covenants and all this thing like that. You're disobedient. You're disobedient. What, what are you boasting in? At the end of the day when you die, you go to the grave. Who's going to forgive you? Who will forgive you? He says, what is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. What law of faith? Faith in Jesus Christ. Both sides. 
Both sides need to have a faith in Jesus Christ to have any shot at eternal life. Therefore, we conclude, as the results of all this thinking, we come to the conclusion now that a man is justified by faith, okay, in Jesus Christ, by faith in Jesus Christ, apart from the deeds of the law. The law, the Mosaic Covenant, cannot justify you for sins committed in, uh, intentionally. can justify you for that. Only through faith in Jesus Christ you can be forgiven all the sins, right? Verse 29. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentile? Yes, of the Gentile also. Verse 30. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith in Christ, and they are circumcised through faith in Christ. And now, what's the conclusion now? That we don't need to observe the law? Verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. This is God's character. How can we do such a thing? It's impossible. Okay? On the contrary, we establish the law. Let me read just to, just to, let me read it again just to just these two verses from a New Revised Standard Version. Okay? Verse 28. I'm going to read it from a New Revised Standard Version. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentile also. Since God is one, and he will justify the circumcised on the ground of faith, and they are circumcised to the same faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is Apostle Paul. Where is the radical grace that so many Protestant evangelical, evangelical preachers preach it today? You don't need to do anything. Absolutely, God forbid. If you try to obey God's commandments, it will be work. It's useless. First Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians chapter 7 here. What's the most important part in the end? Just one verse here. First Corinthians chapter 7. And verse 19. That's Paul. Okay. Hebrew of the Hebrews. Circumcised on the eighth day. A Pharisee. One of the strictest sect. This is what he's writing here. Circumcision is nothing. And our circumcision is nothing. If you just do this thing for our physical reasons. We're not going to do you anything. But what? But keeping the commandments of God. Is what matters. Also Paul. Hebrew of the Hebrews. Keeping the commandments of God, that's what that's the core of the covenant. Amazing. Go back to the second chapter. First Corinthians chapter second here. First Corinthians chapter two. And I'm gonna read this quickly here, but you will see as we go through. He's writing to the Corinthians. Okay, he's retelling his story. First Corinthians chapter two, verse one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, you know, very well-educated man, okay? I could speak probably better than some of your orators, you know, the Greek philosophers. He's not saying that. Look what he's saying. When I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you except, except what? 
Jesus Christ and him crucified. Some people will take this verse and say, you know what? I don't need to do anything. I just need to believe it. I just need to preach it. That was at the core of the issues. Jesus Christ and his crucifixions. That's it. What is that going to bring to you? What is the Jesus Christ crucifixion means? That you could be justified. That's it. Without this thing, without justifications, you can't even enter into this plan of God that we call salvation. It's impossible. So that's what is the core. The core of the beginning of everything is belief, have faith in Jesus Christ and the crucifixion. Because that's the only way how it's going to offer you justification for your past sins. It says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, okay, Greek philosophy, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God through God's Holy Spirit, right? Now, verse 6. However, look at this. However, we speak wisdom among, among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of the age, nor of the lures of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the lures of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Three few weeks ago I said, all Satan devil had to do just to leave Christ alone. And let him die a natural from natural cause. Would have no means as a justification for our sins. But you know what? Satan is not fully aware what God's got in store for his people. He doesn't fully understand this plan of God. Okay? He doesn't know it. He doesn't understand it. If he would, that's what he would do. He would not crucify Jesus Christ. And now, go to go back one chapter, chapter 1. Same book, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Again, Paul liked, Paul, Paul liked, uh, he liked to ask a lot of questions. 20. What is the wise? Or what is the Greek philosophers? Okay? What is the wise? Or what is the scribe? Okay, what is the Jewish scribe so much educated in Torah they could share with you this amazing mystery, you know, that's coming. So what is wise? What is scribe? What is, what is the disputer of this age? What is Satan the devil into all of this thing, you know? You think that he's in control. No, he's not. He's not. There's a greater power above that. And it's also there. You have to go to the study of Ephesians. This great power that God offer, offered to all of us as a believers. And has not God made foolish the wisdom of, the, of this world through the philosophy and all the deceptions, all these things that's going on and, and social justice and socialism and, you know, blah, blah, blah. This doesn't make any sense. This is a human wisdom, okay? They think they're going to improve. They're going to make a kingdom of God just by themselves here. Without changing, without changing your carnal nature, the evil of your heart will never, ever happen. Brother. It will never, ever happen. For since in the wisdom of God, the word through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Look at this, verse 22. For Jews request a sign, okay? You remember Christ when he was walking through Pharisees, everybody, show us a sign, show us a sign that we could believe that you're Messiah. Show me, show me. And Christ did so many signs, and they didn't get it because they were not interested, Okay? So Jews request a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. Okay. 
I want a great man to get up there, you know, nicely dressed in a nice suit and, you know, beautiful, powerful words of his wisdom and his intelligence. That's what he want to listen. He want to listen to his intellect, what it's coming from, okay? And it says here, but, but we, we, we preach Christ crucified. And as we preach this Christ crucified, look how we offended both sides, okay? Both sides. The Gentile and the circumcised, the Israelites. But we, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks or Gentiles. Total foolishness. You know, some, sometimes some people, somebody, somebody told me that God sometimes is funny. You know, he has. You always find a way. Speak to man. In the middle of the circle. The Jews and the circumcised. And they're his first fruits. Who will understand this message? Who will preach this message? To both sides. To both sides. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, let's conclude here. I can speak on for hours here. This, you know, this mystery of Paul, you know, specifically in the letter of Ephesians and Colossians is just it just opened so much in my mind, you know, but let's conclude here. Just, you know, let's just have a few more verses here. Go to Ephesians. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 here. Let's put it all together now. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore, this is Paul as he's writing this letter. He's praying for these people here in, in the city. It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in Lord Jesus and your love for all saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mentions of you in my prayers. Verse 17. That God, our, that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. How well are we doing? How much we acquire this wisdom from this revelations that came to Paul and other apostles? How well we could preach it? How well we can actually pass it out to the next generation? How are we doing? And revelations in the knowledge of him. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his coming. Do you fully realize what's at the end of the uh, what's at the end of the road that you're walking? You know what is at the end of the calling that God called you? If you, if you just forget for a moment, okay? We already read it. If you just forget for a moment, okay? Let's go back. Verse 12. Just read. Just read. Okay, just read it. What is the hope of this calling? Just read it. Verse 12. Same chapter. Chapter 1, verse 12. This is the hope of your calling. Look at this, what it says here. Same letter. That we, who first trusted in Christ, first, 
first trusted, there are first fruits, okay? First trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Wow, amazing, huh? Amazing. Just keep reading. Verse 18, okay? That you may that you may know what is the hope of his calling, okay? So hopefully now we fully understand what is the hope of your calling, okay? What are the riches of the glory in his inheritance in the saints? Oh, do you get it, what he's saying here? Is this language maybe too difficult for us to grasp it? If you have a hard time to understand it, that you know, let me remind you. Hold on. Chapter 2, okay? Let's, let's have full understanding what Paul is writing here. Chapter 2, verse 6, okay? If you just missed it. Chapter 2, verse 6, okay? And, and, raise us up together, raise us up together with Christ, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, verse 7, is not now, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Can we fathom that? The powerful teaching that the existence on earth, you know, for us and the future at the end of the road, you know, can we can we even imagine this thing? Can we even comprehend what what these things means, you know, to all of us? You know, when you compare such a you know beautiful future in terms of you know this coronavirus or whatever is happening, you know what? That's nothing. That's nothing. Let's just not get this thing under your skin. It's not worth it. God is in charge. God is in control. Okay? And just keep reading. Go back to chapter 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? According to the working of his mighty power. It's not your power. It's not my power. No, anyone, it's not Satan's power, it's God's power. The greatest power we can ever have. How great is this power? Okay? Verse 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him as his right hand in the heavenly places. Places is not there. Follow the Bible study. We'll have more explanations about this. Far above, verse 21. Far above the all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in that which is, which, which is to come. And verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. You got it? What else could we ask for? What else could we ask for, brethren? What a blessing it is. You know, this is not a mystery anymore. It's so plain in the scriptures now, revealed to all of us. Why are we confused? I have no idea. And let's do these verses, you know, one more time. Just just do these verses one more time. Chapter 2. Let's read verse 4 to 7 one more time, okay? Let's read it again. What a powerful writings here. And we'll, that's where we completely we'll stop right here. But God, chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
and don't forget, by grace, by amazing grace, you have been saved. And raise us up together, and may us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he may show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. And don't fool yourself. Okay, there's nothing special about yourself, okay? You don't dig yourself out of the hole. Verse 8. Remember, this is a reminder, okay? Don't get, don't get too high. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So, brethren, I will stop right here. And I hope that through my preaching today, that I inspire you to do more study. And I hope that I open your way of understanding of this beautiful mystery more than before. That you were blessed by it the way how I was blessed. You know, how I was blessed myself as I tried to grasp, trying to understand this mystery, what it's all about. And I hope definitely that I bring more confusions than blessings. So may God be with you all and see you here next week at the same time. Thank you, uh, Brother Jan, Deacon Jan. We certainly appreciate that, uh, all of your hard work that went into that message. And as, as you can see, for those of you who continue to follow us, um, the, the messages that we continue to, to get really build off of one another and connect with one another. Do go back if you haven't had a chance to and, and listen to the Ephesian studies. They are in the archives. Uh, if you're hearing this for the first time and didn't hear, uh, Deacon Jan's message a couple of weeks ago on, on the grace of Christ, uh, really, really important to go back and grab that, attach that to this. And then he mentioned uh, three messages he gave uh, regarding the relationship between Israel and the church. They are also in the, the archives. They're in the uh, on cgicanada.org. If you go to the Burlington section, uh, but go back to 2019, and you'll find that three-part series there. He goes into much, much more depth on uh, very, the various items he spoke today on, like uh, replacement theology, and separation theology and those things and how, how, uh, uh, really sets the base for what we heard today. Certainly appreciate all that and I'm sure we'll be, uh, peeling the layers of the onion back on, on these topics as we continue to go forward. Thank you, Deacon Jan. And just a correction on, on one of my earlier announcements. I did reference the pastoral epistles. I was of course talking about the prison epistles of, uh, of uh, Philippians, Philemon, Colossians and Ephesians. And we'll be covering those in a recap in uh on wednesday at 7 30. so thank you again brethren for joining us uh great to be together on this sabbath day if uh um, wherever you're listening to if it is still sabbath because uh, we do know there are some that are joining us from parts where sabbath is over we certainly wish the remainder of your sabbath to be uh, edifying and a blessed one uh, we will uh, close with prayer now and immediately following the closing prayer we will sing one last hymn on page 185 we'll sing to the work but then we will close with prayer and then hope uh, we pray and hope that we'll see you next Sabbath at 2.30. Father in heaven, we just pause before you on this wonderful Sabbath day. So grateful for your grace and the grace of your son, Jesus Christ, that we even know who you are and that more importantly, you know who we are. Uh, we, we, as we, we dig into your word and we're so grateful for your preserved word down through the ages, for your the 
many patriarchs and prophets and apostles that put pen to paper and, and preserved these words for us. Grateful to uh, many that we don't know and some we've heard of that uh, gave their lives, whether it be uh, through their time or, or actual physical giving of their lives, that did preserve these ancient words for us. We're so very, very grateful. Grateful for all that they mean for us. Grateful that as we come to a deeper understanding of your grace and the grace that is available through Jesus Christ, that it becomes increasingly important for us to to dig into your word and to to put on knowledge so that we can then transition from knowledge to understanding to true deep wisdom of your way. And then, as we heard today, are we able to explain it? Are we able to teach it? Are we able to pass it on to this next generation like Paul did? Um, so important that we understand it, much more important that we pass this on. So, Holy Father, we just ask you to go with us, dismiss these services here, give us hearts of study, give us hearts of service, give us hearts to to dig into your word and internalize these, these deep meanings. Please uh, go with the many folks that are on our prayer lists that are, are struggling uh, from a health standpoint, struggling with disease. There are, there are so, so many. We uh, pray for those that are, are coming into uh, belief in you and are, are seeking baptism. We ask you to give us a, open up opportunities for us to, to pass on these words. Give us uh, opportunities to serve. And just so very, very grateful, Father, to you, Jesus Christ, that, that uh, you've revealed yourselves to us. And, and we are so humbled by all that we continue to learn. We thank you. We ask you to dismiss us here. Go with us from here and protect us this week. Protect us as the, the world continues to, to crumble around us. Give us, give us uh, resolve and faith that we can see past the, the inconveniences, that we can see past the, the circumstances we find ourselves in. And may it strengthen us. May it strengthen us not only our personal faith, but the bonds that we have as part of your body. We thank you for this. We look forward to being together next week. We thank you for all of these things, and we do so in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. Yeah.